Hi, friends, and welcome to the StoryForge podcast. I'm Lyle Smith, your host, and today uh, and yesterday, New York announced their numbers as far as number of infections from the coronavirus and COVID-19 and number of deaths. And the, the bad news is it's, we are at, New York is at the highest number of any country on earth with the exception of the greater United States. Uh, the positive news is Governor Cuomo from New York also noted that it appears they've had a couple of days of stabilization as far as the number of people being admitted to the hospital and the number of people um, passing from, from the disease. So that may indicate a, uh, a cresting of the curve. Uh, we hope so. Um, we hope that continues. Uh, it seems like the social distancing we're all doing is actually helping, and maybe uh, that'll all help us, you know, get beyond uh, the the viral um, problem of this epidemic here, at least in this country. Um, that said, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, was St. Patrick's Day. And the, all the parades were canceled. The New York parade was canceled. The, the Chicago parade and dying of the Chicago River was canceled. The, all the parades in, in Ireland were canceled. Um, that's a sad day for us, for my family. We, we enjoy St. Patrick's Day enormously every year. And uh, it's, it's been tough. And we have friends... Um, who we've known for a few years now here in Florida, uh, Richie and Erica Hayes. They're Irish. They're Irish emigres, and they're performers, and they're wonderful. And on Friday the 13th, March 13th, they started getting the calls, like a lot of entertainers around the country, that all of their bookings were being postponed or canceled. Or For them, that's just horrific. It's a, it's a major part of the revenue for the year. Uh, it's it's a major problem in their business because that they are in the business of entertainment, um, and so they had to shift. They had to change their perspective on what they were going to do. And amazingly, on St. Patrick's Day, they performed a virtual show. They set up their backdrop and they set up their mics and their instruments and their costumes, and and they got their young son. Uh, Taylor out in a costume, and they and they performed one heck of a show uh, online for everybody. The intent was to be maybe 45 minutes in an hour, uh, and before they knew it, they were close to two and a half hours in front of 800 people live on Facebook Live. And uh, we had it on in our in our kitchen. We were watching and and listening, and while we were doing other stuff around the house, and it was they, honest to God. They saved our St. Patrick's Day, and for that I am eternally grateful. So my wife Heather and my son Aiden and I all, you know, just really, really enjoyed the celebration. Um, so if you get a chance to go watch it, uh, go watch it. They had 800 people live. They've had 40-plus thousand views of their show since, which is kind of spectacular. And, um, you know, they're just awesome. So uh, coming up. Next is my chat with Richie and Erica Hayes.
He remembers the first time he met her. He remembers the first So, how's it going over there, guys? We're good. Um, we are uh, trying our best to just get through day by day and yeah. isolated life that we have. Practicing <laughs> our social distancing, yes. It's true. Staying healthy, staying, mm-hmm. uh, staying safe and all that. Yeah. Keeping the Being kids safe and healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about a little bit about background um, here. And, uh, well, first, I want to say thank you both. Uh, and Taylor as well for rescuing our St. Patrick's Day uh, <laughs> because we, you know, honestly, with all that, when they announced the parade, no parades, no no pub shows, no, uh, you know, no festivals, it was like, wow, what are we going to do? Like, we've always celebrated somehow with some music and some festivities. And then, uh, yeah. uh, so, and you guys, of course, I'm sure have, uh, when was the last time you didn't perform on St. Patrick's Day? I don't. Uh, I can't remember. Not in not in, in my adult not yeah. in my adult life anyway. Um, yeah. That's when we we got the word probably, I don't know about five six days out that basically St Patrick's Day all around the world was cancelled in a way, um, and we kind of went oh so we're off on St Patrick's Day what do we do you know right. so um, literally I kind of had one ounce of an idea and then Erica had another idea mm-hmm. kind of that we're in the same ballpark and we put the two of them together and. We just decided to do something um, on Facebook live, which we had never really done. We had never done a live gig like that, um, so it was really uh, scrambling for twenty-four hours just to kind of get the set list together and just kind of see would we get a reaction and uh, would, would people be interested. It was well from my seat. I'll, I'll tell you, it was fantastic. We had a ball. Uh, we had you guys playing in our in our kitchen the whole time, and uh, we were wandering around and just enjoying the music and and really kind of feeling very much like you know it was a St. Patrick's Day celebration right in our own you know home, and uh, which was really awesome and and great fun and and. Uh, um, so what, tell me, you know, to, let's talk a little bit about what was the reaction? What was, uh, you know, you, you told me, Richie, you had a, a, you gave me the number of people who were watching, but I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Well, we, we put out a little quick video of me just saying that, uh, you know, this is what we're going to do, share it around, let people know. And that kind of, kind of took flight and made life its own. And then, as I said, we looked at our, I, we looked at each other and said, "Okay, let's let's go and see what happens." And right. within minutes, the numbers started going up, didn't they? Yeah, they were climbing, and then they kind <laughs> of stayed. They sort of stayed with us, really. For we had hoped to do about forty, forty-five minutes, and then after about an hour, we we still had. It was peaked. Uh, it peaked at about seven eighty. Yeah, seven hundred and eighty. Yeah, so Fantastic. we still had a good. We still had a good kind of audience live watching us. So. We just kept going because That's... we kept getting messages saying, don't stop, keep playing. <laughs> um, we did. I, I think that. that as a lot of people like yourselves just put us on because there were kind of everyone has been self-isolating in their homes, especially right. not here, but in, especially in Ireland and the UK. And we had people on from Australia and Canada. And everyone was just looking for that little bit of normality in a way. So um, in this virtual world we live in now, people just kind of set us up on their devices, be it iPads or phones, right. laptops, desktops. And they just put us on. And some people 
you know, airplayed it to their TVs. And it was like just <laughs> watching the live show. And that's why I think people stayed with us for so long because they were, let's face it, anybody that was connected to St. Patrick's Day or Ireland were feeling sorry for themselves and they wanted <laughs> some sort of a break. Right. I just think we no. hit the right yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And that's, that's what we were feeling anyway. And it just, it, it helped us feel kind of connected to, to, you know, something that we needed to feel connected to at the time. And that was great. So, you know, thank you for that. And, um, that was a terrific show. And, um, but let me, let me go, let me back up a little bit and I'll, I'm going to ask you each about, um, you know, cause you, you've both been performing for a long time in, in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, singer, actor, uh, dancer, Erica, um, musicians. Um, how did you guys get into, I'll ask you each, but, uh, answer in whichever order you'd like. Um, how did you guys get into this in the first place? Ladies first there, Erica. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I started dancing when I was three, so mm-hmm. I was quite young and for me it just, it kept going from there. So right the way through my childhood into my teens. Um, I, I was probably the majority of my activities after school and into the weekend was dance and musical theater. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 19, I would have, I, I entered into the industry um, professionally as in it was going to be my day job mm-hmm. and it remained my day job. Um, and has done ever since. So I, I don't really know anything else. It's the industry I know, and I don't really know anything else, you know? Um, and, and, and I love it. And it's, um, it's not all sequins and uh, spotlights, to be honest. Um, you know, <laughs> it's hard work, there's no question. It yeah. is really hard work. And yeah. it's tough because you're working for yourself, and every day is a rainy day, and all that kind of stuff. And, right. you know, so um, I mean, I wouldn't overly encourage it too much as a career. I do think it's a difficult one to maintain, but I would be a complete hypocrite if somebody said, but it's in my heart and it's what I want to do. So, I mean, if somebody feels that way about it, I understand that, you know? So yeah, so that's how long I've been in the industry. That's, and you know, and every once in a while you get to do something. uh, I told you I did my research. You get to be something like Gary Coleman in Avenue Q. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a picture somewhere online of that and it was yeah, super random stuff like that. That is quite fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, how about you, uh, Richie? I, um, I started off as a uh, young, I came from a musical family. My, uh, my late dad was a singer and uh, sang literally to his last day. And my mom used to uh, sing with him Um on a semi-professional basis back in Ireland. And um, so music was always in our family. I, not like Erica, I didn't really get involved in theatre and the things until I was around 12 or 13. Um, I got in and, well, we were in what would be equivalent to elementary school. Over here, uh, I was put into a choir that was made up of all the schools around the, the county of Waterford and southeast of Ireland. And um, it was done with the RTE, which is the, the the national broadcaster in Ireland. And that kind of gave me the, the bug, as we say. I got my bug from that. And, mm-hmm. and then went into what we call pantomime um, when I was 13. And I remember... I wanted there. to ask you guys about that, the pantomime, because we don't... Yeah. We don't do a ton of that over here. No. No, it's, 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 uh, it's a thing, and I will come back to it. Uh, huh. so 
pantomime is where I started with musical theatre, but it was all on an amateur level. I Eric was from Dublin. I was from Waterford, which was is the like the countryside of of it outside anywhere outside Dublin. The Dublin people call it the country. So I was known <laughs> as a culture. Um So it wasn't until I was around eighteen, nineteen that I started to really venture outside of Waterford to do more things and. Um, I found myself at a couple of auditions for West End shows that used to come to Dublin and then I found myself being recalled to London but I never I never succeeded in any of those so then I said right well let's let's try Dublin and I did and and uh, that's I my break into Dublin was the the Gaty Panto in in uh, obviously in Dublin and I mm-hmm. remained there for 12 years and that's where Eric and I met she used to be in the Olympia Panto and I was in the Gaiety Panto and then she came up to the Olympia Panto, up to the Gaiety Panto and mm-hmm. uh, as a duo the rest is history but uh, and then from there then it just kind <laughs> of built on from there yeah so I've always been doing it I was a bit more late to the game in terms of the professional end of things but between us we're about 20 25 years uh, each probably uh, in yeah. the business professionally yeah. making our living from it yeah and Usually, it's only one adult in the in the household that's kind of in the business. But we're, but having two people in the same business is quite a, a challenge sometimes when it comes to financially keeping your house going. You know, but, I would think you know it's hard. I, yeah. I run into that uh, in not with as performers, but but uh, my wife and I each own our own businesses. Absolutely. And, and so we, we struggle with those same things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, we'll, we'll get to this later, but it's, that's, that's one of the things I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to start talking about um, doing this podcast is really to, to try and uh, capture some of that and the struggles and, and, and uh, nimbleness you have to have about how you do things uh, during a crisis like this. Um, yeah, I, I I said to Eric the other day that a lot of people are experiencing. Take away the fear. I'm not talking about that, and the, and the, you know the uncertainty of, of where everybody is at the moment. Right. But what I'm talking about in terms of people not being able to work because their their jobs have closed down or their jobs are just gone. And right. and, and I said people will now get a sense of what it's like to be self-employed um, and right. not have your job. You know, you some people saying, oh, I've been let go from my job or my job's finished, and which we have that every day, Yeah, you know? Right, yeah. right. Well, it's, I've, I've, I've heard somebody, like, I used to quote this somewhere because my sister was, a, was, a, was in musical theater uh, too for a long time, but some, somebody, I, I, I tucked it away. I heard it once and I tucked it away as, uh, you know, an, a, an actor's life is um, a, a state of steady unemployment with occasional flurries of, uh, you know, gigs or jobs yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And it's yeah. uh, sort of the reverse of what, you know, everybody else uh, shoots for, you know. But, you know, honestly, to have that that stretch of um, you know, making a career and, and making your living at it for that long is is um, is impressive just on its own, really. It's it's the one thing is that like if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, and and we do love what we do, and right. when we're working and we have work, it's just great. But the downside to that is there's huge gaps, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There there is. I think you have to be quite fearless too. You have to be ready to reinvent yourself every so often uh, because the industry moves on and you get older and you have to evolve with the times. So that can, that in itself is a challenge. Even if there's 
like an abundance of work, you have to be ready to roll with it and to change with it and evolve and, you know, and, and accept where you are as well within the industry. That's a big thing too. You know, I mean, I do remember, I can't remember the actress in LA that said it, but she said that like, although she's an actress, it doesn't define who she is. It's just part of who she is or what right. she does. And, right. and you have to accept that. I mean, and as a female in the industry, um, it's, it's quite difficult because males, a male can grow gracefully old within the industry. Females are quite discarded and, and, and just thrown to one side for the next fresh up and coming um, female. That's right. That's, Right. It's I funny mean, you say that a male can grow gracefully old. When I look in the mirror now, I don't feel <laughs> graceful. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny the the judgment. There's there's just sort of a built in judgment in the in as part of the industry, part of the business. Yes. You know. So you're you're if you're in a place where you're you know auditioning for certain roles or, or being considered for certain roles, they you know you get up and you do your thing and and they get to say yes no too tall, too short, uh, you know, too fat, too thin, whatever. And, um, and you know, you just have to kind of suck it up <laughs> at some point. You're a product of the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and you do, you, you, you keep taking the punches and you've got to take them and you've got to grow a thick skin because right. if you don't, it will, it will gobble you up. It will, it will completely just, <laughs> it will finish you off. And it, right. and it, has happened a lot of times, both as a duo and separately as well, you know, like this right. career. You see, this when everyone looks at the entertainment industry, they see one level or the other, and that's the, the Hollywood megastars, the super rich, right. and then right. the people that are just kind of doing it as a sideline. They still work their day job, and then they go out and they might play some music in restaurants or bars or something at night. Right. And then you have people like yourselves that have that, you know, they're we're in the higher level of, of entertainment, but we're still very, very small fish compared to the astronomical levels that some of these guys are at. Right. Um, we've, we've managed to be able to keep a roof over our head as a family for more than, yeah, for all our life, basically once we are all our adult life, you know, and, um, uh, as I said to make, you know, if, if that wasn't difficult enough, then, we had the bright notion to let's move to America and let's move to Florida, you know, and, and start from scratch where absolutely no one knows us, even though we spent the last 15 years building our product in Ireland, you know, right. and further afield. So right. we're just, as, as Erica said, what did you call us a minute ago? We are, we're go-getters kind of thing or fearless. Yeah, you have fearless. to be fearless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's the thing with any, any business, I think, is you have to, you, it's not, I don't know, fearless, yes, but just um, never question that you're going to do it, you know, never question that you're going to, for yourself, you know, I, I'm confident that I'm going to get this done, whatever it is. Mm. And, um, you know, and you guys, um, you know, you have, you, like you said, Erica, you said reinvent yourself. You have to reinvent yourself from time to time. You guys do, you know, you do other things too. And you've, you've reinvented some, just since I've known you, um, you know, the, the musical theater school and, and camp that you do yeah. uh, is, is fantastic and, and kind of, you know, it's, it's new and still kind of getting off the ground, but it's, it's really fantastic and something that isn't around here um, other than what you're doing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Richie, you do, um, 
you know, production and, and uh, recording and stuff like that. I know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about your dad. I have, I have to say this on the recording. Uh, I, know, I know you lost him just very, very recently, but you also put out um, a CD of his music, which is fantastic. And it's like sort of taking, taking charge of something from, um, you know, uh, a, a tragic situation, you know, a, a sad, a sad time. Yeah, um, you see, all all this stuff comes from reinventing, as you said, reinventing mm-hmm. yourself. Because you know, as we do get older, when when Erica was younger, her main thing was dancing, frontline mm-hmm. dancer. But as you said, that is your early twenties kind of game, and then you start to very quickly. It's not that you become any less of a dancer. Oh no, you have a shelf life. There's, yeah. there, there's a shelf life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and and then when that happens, that happens. And then for me, I was the, the comedian in the show. And uh, luckily for me, that has the character that I play in the pantomime, which we'll explain what it is in a minute. But I I still do it. I'm I'm still twenty years later. I'm still playing that same character slot. Um, but I will say the physicality of what I do has completely changed. I'm not able to do what I used to do when I was. 20 years later, I'm un, unable to now do a flip-flop into the jump off the stage and do a somersault and land right. into the pits or anything like <laughs> right. that. Yeah, um, so you have to figure out another way to do it and still be entertaining, right? Yeah, and, and then with that then, over the years, the work does... If you don't get those big breaks, your work does slow down. And thankfully for us, we've made our niches throughout. So we do still have our um, kind of main... main, sh- main things that we do throughout the calendar year right and um, which keep us afloat but there's lots of other months and days and weeks and that in in the year where you need to fill and be working so that's where we began to say okay what else can we do and we had the stage school in ireland and we right. and that, that, as i said i we were in studios a lot recording stuff and that and if, i always liked it and so we 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 learned and taught ourselves how to do these things over the years. Mm-hmm. And now we, we, it's now started to make money for us. Erica, about the school. Yeah. Well, yeah, that we have, well, we had the school in Ireland for almost 10 years. So mm-hmm. to, to teach for me is very, um, it's a very natural thing for me to do. I enjoy teaching children. I don't find it. I don't want to use the word difficult. I mean, teaching children is, it, it is difficult. It's, it's high energy and it's whatever, but I don't find it, difficult to get it across to them right let's put it that way um and for me as a dancer then I loved production so going in as a choreographer into productions um was a very natural thing to do as well and I quite enjoy it and I nearly prefer it now if you ask me like stage or production I would say to you production I'd much rather be on a production team than on stage kind of full circle Mm, yeah yeah that's cool and it's 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 interesting because I I, I'm going to Pilfer a, a, a phrase I use to describe uh, one of my friends from New Jersey. Uh, she's she's a, a costumer, a, a wardrobe person on Broadway. And um, she got us um, a backstage tour of, uh, of Wicked. We went to see Wicked one night. Awesome. So she got us a little backstage tour of Wicked because um, uh, she had a friend who was working there and got us around. And I, I you know, when I ran into her after I just shook my shook my head as we thanked her and I said you know you you are just a card carrying maker of magic uh hmm. and and she she kind of turned a little red and all that I said no I'm serious because you guys and you you guys are exactly the same because you put up something 
and you know like like your St. Patrick's Day show you created something out of absolutely nothing and and made a whole audience of people uh happy and that's uh invaluable to the world i think thank you <laughs> and it's, it's you know you guys belong to a very um uh, a small fraternity of very talented people so it's it's uh i'm happy to know you and i'm happy to uh to come see you perform anytime um Richie, you had you you said something about you know a big break somewhere along the line, and I, I have to ask about the uh, was it the Voice of Ireland or the Irish Voice? Yes, yeah. So it was basically for the listeners in the states that would be NBC's show, The Voice. Um, that it was originally a German uh, TV program. Uh, this is where it originated, or, or, or Netherlands. I think like it was that. Dutch. Dutch, yeah, yeah Dutch. And uh, then it started to, so it was already going before The Voice NBC started, right. other countries had already done it. So it was Ireland's turn, and then Europe, a lot of the countries, they did The Voice of, uh, so the only ones that they call it The Voice is here in the States and in the UK. Right. So it was The Voice of Germany, Voice of Spain, so on, so on, and The Voice right. of Ireland. Voice so of when Ireland. it came to Ireland, um, they did send out some kind of scouts uh, Sony and Universal Records were involved and so they started contacting some of the singers in the kind of professional circuit over there and mm -hmm. uh, I got a call asked me would I be interested in going in my initial reaction was kind of no I don't want to do it uh, mm -hmm. kind of already in the business right but then uh, you know the entertainment business did when it became the reality TV stuff and all of a sudden you had people now coming into the business because of their profile more right. than their ability to do stuff right and I had reached a kind of plateau in my personal career uh, where I was still doing the most on the stage in terms of material but yet there was always someone above me coming in being paid more and, and getting more of the kind of PR and profile end of things. And because you're a product, you need as much profile and PR as possible sure. um, to up your game and up your income. So we made a conscious decision here, let's let's give this a go. So I went in, I auditioned, and uh, I basically make a very long story short. I was <laughs> the last, second last man standing on stage waiting for the result um about three months later wow. they pre-recorded a lot of september and then it aired in january but then in when was it march yeah late february into march late, late april february, yeah uh the live shows started every sunday and mm -hmm. um so yeah and i my I, I was just our lives were upside down and, <laughs> and then to make to make even more stuff go on where were you well i was just about to have Taylor. So I was like oh, wow. eight and a half months pregnant, uh, <laughs> sitting, sitting in the uh, auditorium, um, waiting for the drum roll to finish going, okay, so I think I might go into labor here because this is like too much. To <laughs> but it was like, yeah, it was an exciting time. It really was, there was a lot happening. What was funny was the, the, the days running up to the final, there was only four of us left after I think it was initially, was it 4,000 or 4,500 people or something? Oh, audition initially. So when they broke it all down, it was people went home every week. And so the last four of us were the final episode. Mm -hmm. 
and we were doing TV all the time, press the whole time. But then the last two or three days, Erica was actually doing more press than I was because all the national papers and TV and radios were all like going, will Richie Hayes' wife, Erica, go into labor? <laughs> well, sure. On? I mean, that's the story. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then, and then we, we uh, I did a uh, interview on The Late Late Show, which is more or less the same as The Late Late Show here. It's right. one one night a week. And uh, they were so keen to have Erica in the front row while I was being interviewed. And it was too close at that stage for her to be kind of away from the hospital and home, you know. Right. And uh, yes, yeah, so most, most of the interview was about the upcoming uh, arrival of what would be Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, So that was all fun. And, and, you know, The Voice did, I didn't win it, but yes, it did give me a massive platform then to work from. And in the end, right. eventually, to be honest with you, it, it opened up us being able to get the visa to be here. Um, oh, fantastic. You know, so because a big part of the visa that we're on, it's an entertainment or it's an extraordinary ability. Yeah, visa, no, yeah, yeah, it's an old visa. An old visa and uh, quite difficult to get, but you have to, you have to kind of qualify in a criteria of things and because of the right. TV and the box office that we've been in over the years, um that helped very much and as i said then from that kind of other thing other tv shows rolled in and then the next big tv show i got was a show called mrs brown's boys mm-hmm. which is on bbc um in the uk and ireland and australia it's it's not on tv over here but a lot of people know of it and they watch it on youtube yeah uh, but um so that was great for that that was a real like you know just something really cool but uh, well, eric yeah, is no eric is no stranger makes a big difference right yeah, absolutely. And that kind of, you know, it was a couple of years after The Voice, so people knew me from that when and when it was such a big show. But I right. filmed it in advance. I wasn't allowed to tell anyone about it, especially because of the storyline we did. So right. when it aired on Christmas night, it was the Christmas night special, which is oh, like wow. Thanksgiving over here. Right. But what was it? How many million watched it on the night? Oh, eight? God. I thought it was a million. Was it, isn't it a million? Eight. No, it was eight million in the UK. It was a million in Ireland. Oh, but right. the, wow. it, it, it got it, it got all the number one yeah. viewing. It, it wins a lot of awards, yeah, it's TV the big awards deal. Yeah. for stuff like yeah. that. So it really was a big deal. Right? That was cool. But That's Eric has had our fair share of um, TV as well. Tell us something about that. Well, I suppose my well, my main TV was when I was much younger. I was only about twenty three, so it was like it's like the equivalent of Days of Our Lives back at home in Ireland. Oh, okay. So it's the local soap, you know. Um, sure. It's the national soap opera um, on the TV. So I, I did a storyline. It was short enough, but it was about, I think it was about two and a half months um, on basically in people's, you know, living rooms on their TV sets. Um, it's called Fair City. Yeah. But I was going to ask. Four, it's called, yeah. four, four nights a week, I think it gets aired. So um, yeah, it was, it was a big enough deal and it was very, very cool. It was my first real um introduction to tv and stuff right. like that so and that was quite cool and then um was that something you always wanted to do be a do do tv you know i didn't really think about that too much it was a lady i was working for i was teaching for her and she was an agent for like a kid like a child's agent mm-hmm. and they sort of came to her looking for it was a girl band storyline so they knew they had to go to somebody that had like uh people that were like musical theater and right. sing and dance or whatever 
but they weren't really looking for kids. They were looking for like early twenties. Right. So we sort of we we sort of fell in the gap a little bit. So she didn't really have people on her books because she had kids on her books. Right. And then the other agents that they would go with for like adult actors mm-hmm. had like more senior actors on their books. So when they went to her, she said, "Well, I don't have." like kind of 19, 20 year olds on my books. But what I do have is, she said, I can put in all of my teachers. She has like an array of like teachers that would would work for her in her stage school. And we all auditioned and we got um, screenshots and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it it was something that we sort of fell into. I I think I definitely fell into it a little bit. I hadn't really thought about it too much, but I absolutely loved it. It was great. Oh, that's fun. Those are those great little sort of... um, surprises along the way that are that are yeah fun and, and make I, the difference. I think it was good that I didn't think about it too much because it kind of was a big deal and then I like I've never I've never had that you know to be recognized like walking around the supermarket that was weird for me like I, <laughs> yeah I gotta think it's that's an you odd know, like, thing right you know that double take that people do when they know mm-hmm. somebody and I do it myself like when yeah. I see someone's face and I know their face but I'm not really sure where I know them from because I think I know them but it's not I know them from the tv right so I looking back at people going why is she looking at me what's she looking at me for and then I go oh I get it now I know why she's looking at you know so it was kind of funny I suppose yeah, yeah that's funny I did that one day I was walking down the street in New York in lower Manhattan and you know I stopped at the stop you wouldn't do that today not today no, no. no but I was I stopped at the stoplight to walk across and you know you look up and kind of engage the person across the way to make sure you don't yeah. walk into each other and yeah. I looked at and, I, and all of a sudden I'm kind of squinting and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like god he looks familiar do I know him do I know him from like did I go to school with him or something yes and yes. just as we're passing each other I realized oh that's Kevin Bacon yeah 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 <laughs> I didn't go to school with him I'm like no I didn't yeah, go yeah. to school with him but I do <laughs> recognize yeah. him and he, he <laughs> yeah, had that yeah. he had that look like yeah that's me <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, you see, I didn't have that look because he's used to it. So for me, it was more like, "Why is that person staring at me? Yeah, like, do I owe them money? Like, what's wrong with them?" You know. But it's it, on that we like obviously Arsene and I had a bit of it as well. What what you have is that that person, and I I've I've spoken to we've over the years we've worked with some really uh, well known celebrities, you know, who sure. just go anywhere they go, they're recognised, you know, yep. and. Um, and it's it's funny to be in their company. We call it back at home and in the business. If if like if you spot someone or you see somebody who is a punter, as we call it, who is <laughs> like a customer, it's one of the public people that come to see your show or whatever. Right. So if we're out in company with other people that we've worked with, and you would get a punter or two that will pass, and we'll see right. their reaction to uh, the person you're with. Right. But because you've worked with them after a couple of days, you know who they are and what they do, but they just become a work colleague then. So that initial thing of, oh, look who it is, is gone. But when you see other people's reactions to them is when you, uh, when you kind of go, oh, right, now I get it. But yeah. you see, the thing is, is they, they think they know you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I... I, I um, I always remember a song a uh, guy from Westlife wrote the first line, no one knows me, but they know my name. They think oh. they know you, but they don't. Be- right. And, and the, yeah, so it, it is that, that uh, side of it, you know? Right. And I mean, you run into that in, in athletics too. You, 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 watch, you, know, you, you watch a sport or, yeah. 
a game or whatever and, and the athletes are out there and you know them from their interviews and the way they play the game and their face and all that kind of stuff um and you develop these opinions about them you know that yeah. you know oh i i hate that guy he bugs me and I, or i love that guy and he's awesome and he's a hero and then but in the end you don't really know anything about them you know, you've yeah. never met them. You don't know their families. You don't know where they live. You don't, you know, you just, you just know what you know from the TV. So uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, what they know is themselves or at least their version of, of who you are. And uh, it's, it's got to be a weird thing. Yeah. And that's why they say sometimes never meet your idol because right. they mightn't be as nice. Like it's a persona as well. Right. They're playing a part, and that's why over the years you'll you'll hear people, oh, I met that, I met so and so. Oh, were they nice? No, actually, they were really horrible because they're not on screen when you meet them, and you know they're they're just so when the lights come on, they come on, but the person, the real person, is when the light is off. Right. Um. And we have, I'm not mentioning any names. No. Uh, but <laughs> no, we don't. have, as I said, <laughs> we have had the opportunity to work with with. Uh, some very high-profile performers and actors over the years, and uh, some you come away going, "Oh, I'm so disappointed now right. that I I actually know that person," you know. Right. Right. Um, but uh, Erica thought that about me for years. She still does. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I leave all the lights on here. You know, Lila, don't turn them off. It's That's easier. <laughs> That's, That's really funny. Oh, good. Um, uh, <laughs> And Richie, Richie, you did Jury's Cabaret for a long time too, didn't you? I did. Um, I uh, I did it. That's for the famous, the famous, the world famous Jury's Cabaret in Dublin. For those yes, of us who don't so know it, it it ran for many many years. Yeah. It was the longest running cabaret in Ireland, mm -hmm. and uh, basically there was six to seven, eight hundred people a night, and the the content of the audience were the audience was made up of mainly American and Canadian um, people on tour. You can, call, you can call us tourists. I saw the show. Yeah. No, I saw the show years ago when Tony Kenny was hosting it. Yeah, there you go. And that's, <laughs> it was Tony Kenny had just, I won't say retired from there, but he had finished his run. Um, and his wife, Joan, was the producer. And she was staying on to continue the show on. Okay. And uh, between the jigs and the reels, as we say in Ireland, not literally, <laughs> but... Uh, Joan was uh, aware of me from the Gaiety Panto and mm -hmm. she knew she needed to replace Tony and she wanted to go with a different option. So uh, she she approached me and said, well, I kind of approached her as well, but we uh, she she asked me would I be interested in kind of coming on board and mm -hmm. see what happened. So I was the MC stroke, kind of funny MC. There was another comedian there as well, but it's where I started to learn the whole stand-up comedian stuff. and. Right. Um, and then there was a, a singer called Brian Dunphy, who is now part of the High Kings, which is a quite popular Irish folk group. Over, they're from Ireland, but they're very popular in the States as well. Uh, so myself and him were the two new kids on the block. And um, we ran there for two years. And then in between that, I started touring America uh, with, with Tony Kenny. Mm. So that's what opened up uh, America to me. Erica had right. toured with a comedian called Noel McGinnity, uh, as well um so that's kind of where we, our love affair for the states came in but i was the second waterford man to do jury's cabaret as i said the hotel was sold um to for apartments to be built there and funny enough it was just before the economic crash uh so the hotel apartment deal fell through and then funny enough it's still a hotel 
it reopened as a budget oh. hotel now. Did it really? So it was, oh, that's a budget. Yeah, those apartments were never actually built. Um, but the hotel reopened, but nothing on the scale of what it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the, the cab, what was the cabaret did kind of struggle on or venture into another building here or there, but it just wasn't the same thing because essentially it wasn't the Jewelry's Irish Cabaret anymore. Right, um, right, right. So right. it's finished. But I'm, I'm very honored and very, you know, it's lovely to say that I did. I, I fronted the world famous Jewelry's Irish Cabaret for two years. And as I said, it opened up the whole new world of the cabaret and things and, and America. And it's essentially what has us here today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Right. And then, uh, so that opened up um, the idea of America to you. And you ended up in Florida. So, yeah. Why Florida? Well, you, you, you know, your answer to this one. What? You said, why Florida? What does you say when you spend, what? when you spend 40 years? Oh, yeah. When you spend 40 odd years in the rain, like, you know, and, and, and the cold weather yeah. and, and, you know, it's okay to have an eternal summer. You know, As somebody said to us when we were moving over, will you not miss the seasons? I said, no, no, I'm good. No, I'm Very good. good. I'm, I've had yeah, enough seasons for one life. Yep. That's good. Right? You know, because we, we've had that conversation. You've said the same about the cold. And absolutely. The, absolutely. Know, That's yeah. one of the reasons I moved down here. We, right, we, right. We, we were tired of the cold. Yeah. Um, I, I, now, I will say we are here just over two years actually properly living here. We've probably mm-hmm. been in this area for five years or yeah. more now, right. Um But when we moved uh, with, our, with our bags and baggage, um, we're just <laughs> over two years here. And um, we haven't experienced a full-on hurricane yet. So that may change our oh, perspective on this. Keep your, mouth, keep your mouth closed on that one. Yep. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've had... A, a few threats and yeah. you know, I boarded up the windows and that kind of stuff but uh, we haven't we haven't actually been hit with one which has been yeah the first yeah. our first year here we didn't uh, have wood. anything last year we did as everyone knows we had the threat and I did put up the uh, the shutters on the window right. um, and I took them back down literally the day it passed and everyone I didn't get that you actually leave them up for a while or the season so no yeah. wonder People had a strange kind of look at me when I was taking them down straight away. Yeah, there, I mean, it's there's a different way of doing things down here. It's it's I'm, there is. I'm still not quite used to it. Um, so, um, but anyway, so now we have we have something else going on. Now we have the the coronavirus um, crisis um situation i don't know what do you what to even call it going on and uh, pandemic <laughs> pandemic yeah i mean it's it's really but it's uh, you know most of us uh at least most of us sensible people are are staying in the house mostly and and mostly keeping socially distanced from each other and uh and it's 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 impacting businesses all over the place and and the way people make a living um, and we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but, you know, I want to get to, you know, we see on TV, you see things like Trevor Noah and Jimmy Fallon and all these, the talk shows, they're still going on, but they don't have their live audiences anymore. Um, you know, how are you guys doing with all of this? You have, uh, I mean, we've talked about this personally a little bit, but you know, how's it going? It's not. <laughs> we our busiest season is March, and um, it's a huge, huge percentage of our income throughout the year. Um, 
as I said, we have our main kind of states throughout the year that uh, is when we make our income and then we try to fill in the gaps of the smaller stuff. Right. And we've had that massive, the probably the biggest one of the year, just completely not taken, taken away from us. Um, I suppose is not the proper word, but you get where I'm coming from. Right, right. Um, like literally, actually, my, our agent put up on the thing uh, Friday the 13th is when all the cancellations yeah. started. Yeah. So we we got in about three of possibly f- between fifteen and twenty shows, and then literally by the hour from Friday the thirteenth, they just started getting cancelled, 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 wow. and not postponed or rescheduled, but cancelled, pulled, gone, yeah. guillotined yeah. out. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, you know, and you watch any coverage of it, they they talk about the hospitality industry and the entertainment industry, and they're just because they're you know the the nature of them as a big group of people together. So, yeah, um, I, I think I think what what happened to us, we're not on our own by any means, and this is not the poor mouth or anything like that. But right. what I will say is is that we were hit instantly because yeah. a lot of our shows over here in Florida are in the 55 plus communities all around mainland Florida so right. um obviously they the the senior age groups were the frontline threat right. so they were the first to shut their doors and that meant shutting our shows as well um but that's it unless we do the show we don't get paid um so we were hit instantly whereas People now are only starting to realize that with the, the lockdowns around the country and if they start to kind of come down a bit this way, if, if we, I'm, I'm saying when we shut down, uh, right. as I don't believe we're in the mid- middle of it at all yet, um, a lot of people are going to be out of work and income either reduced dramatically or stopped altogether. Whereas we have had that for two weeks now at this stage yeah. but there's no getting it back and and you hear the stimulus plans and all this coming in but it's a it's it's a very bitter swill uh, pill to swallow because it's it's it just goes to show that this business that we're in and the situation that no one was ready for uh, right. has come in on top of us so but look we could talk about it all day. It's not going to get us anywhere. It's a very, very scary medical situation that we're in. And, right. Uh, you know, everyone's life has drastically changed. Um, but to keep the positive, I suppose, out there, I think this has forced people to go back to the old way of things and communicating again. And right. everyone's lives were too busy. Um no one had time for anybody. Uh, it was just like, you know, just blinkers on and I'm okay, Jack. So keep going. Right. Whereas this is starting to, uh, by people having to stay at home, they're having to kind of communicate again with their families and make sure, you know, we're very right. lucky in this day and age that we have uh, services that we can just FaceTime, Skype, all the online stuff. Is very yeah, helpful. no, absolutely. And and another thing is, is people, um, you have to go, you have to make an effort to communicate with the people you want to communicate with. You have to make an effort to check in with the people you care about um, because, um, you know, that's what you do. And, and so it's, it's not, Oh, I'm just too busy tonight. I'm going to sit and watch a movie or whatever and, and, and not make that call. And now, you know, you're, you're talking to these people and that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this is, is to really kind of, you know, get some of those stories and talk to talk to some of the people who are, you know, because everybody's affected by it in one way or another, some more than others, um, some in very different ways than others. And and so I wanted to sort of, you know, try and 
you know, get that idea that, you know, nobody's in this alone, <laughs> you know, we're all in no. this together. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can only control what you can control and the things you can't control, you can't waste energy on. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, you know, uh, thank you guys for, for talking to me about all this. This is, uh, I appreciate it. I think it's great that, um, like, you know, including you doing this podcast, it's, it's getting the message out there that we're all in the same boat, essentially at the end of the day. And what, what's, what's the good, some of the good things that have come out of this is, especially online is that now people are having to quickly rethink, okay, what do I do now? And, right. um, and we, our first thing we did was, was the show, but we are, are the online show. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, like that's up at 45 plus thousand views now. So we've that's seen fantastic. that, okay, that, that hit a note. Um, I put up some video the other day uh, of a song that I recorded with my uh, friend of mine back in Ireland. And that's at 20,000 views today. Oh, I and saw that. That was Eric, terrific. Eric, you did. Yeah, well, obviously I wanted to keep the musical theatre classes going. So... I did virtual classes online that we sent the links to the kids, you know, Fantastic. to their parents so that they could like continue at home. And, um, yeah. Cause I mean, I think for me anyway, as a mom, uh, while we're trying to entertain our kids and we know we're going to have to do their schoolwork online and that's mm -hmm. going to be all very new and a little bit stressful because it's going to be very different for us, but I believe we can do it. I believe we'll find our way. Yep. I, I, I think when it comes to our children, because it's one of my first thoughts when I wake up in the morning is, oh, another day of this, and are we okay? Right. And your health is your wealth, and that you they don't want you don't want them to be scared, you don't want them to be stressed, you don't want them to be worried, you just want them to be okay. And whatever right. means it takes for the kids to be okay and to be occupied and to be, you know, for their life to continue even in its simplest form right now. Right. I, I, I think that's vitally important also. Yeah, no, I think I think you're hit it right on the right on the head with that is is to maintain some kind of normality to what yes. we're doing. Even uh, in this um, crazy time. <laughs> it's yes. insane. It's really it's just an it's an intensely weird time and um and to to find you know, we're doing like I take my son out, uh Aiden, we go out and ride the bikes around and, and all that. Mm -hmm. And that's, we've been doing that like every day yep. just to get some fresh air and some sunshine and, and, you know, try and be, you know, human. Yes. And, uh, it's, you know, it, it helps. Every little bit helps, you know? Yeah. I, I just hope when we, when we eventually, please God, get out the other side of all of this, that right. people, people remember the, the, the things that we've adjusted and changed and, and maintain that for a while or not for a while. We should, we, I certainly for one, I know Eric is the same, but we will. Uh, I think we'll appreciate stuff a lot more and um, and do what we can. But I do think you're like you are from a business point of view. I do think that we are already changing and coming up with new ways to to continue to do what we do. And our job is to entertain people and provide you know bring joy and a break from the norm for them. So yeah we are we're planning more shows online um Fantastic. and we're looking we're looking to see how can we deliver those in the best possible way by getting the sound better getting the picture better and right. um, 
because at the end of the day, now that's where everybody is. And we did, I'm not saying we were the first to do it, but we were, we were one of the first to do it within our circle, put it that way. And yeah. within 24 hours, there was a hell of a lot more people with their iPhone up in front of them doing their thing. Oh, that. sure. And good luck to them. The more the merrier. Oh, sure. Uh, so yeah. now that is a musician friend said on his live podcast or his live Facebook the other day, he said, I just said hello to him and he said, Rich, this is the new one now. He said, this is the way we're going to be doing it for the foreseeable future. And from for, for me then, it's a case of, okay, we need to keep our heads above the water and try deliver a product that is of a good standard that will catch the people's eyes. So personally, that's what Eric and I are working on at the moment. Eric is a great script writer, uh, has written a lot of different shows and scripts for the TV and stuff. And um so she's working on on some kids programs uh, that we're looking at because a lot of kids are just sitting on tablets and iPads and switches and so on, so on. And because, yeah, because parents are told stay at home and work from at home. So moms and dads still have to work from at home if they possibly can. So children are learning that they have to entertain themselves. And while we don't want them on gadgets, you know, 24-7, I thought, okay, Let's let's try and entertain kids where they can have fun. They can jump up and down in the in the the sitting room with you, and you know, just just bring well, it. Just again, bring that safe life right. into normality for them, whatever way we can. And it's not pure, you know, video game pixels all all yes. day long. You know, there's yes. there's something. There's some value there. There's some art there. There's some uh, storytelling there. Yes. Um, you know, and that's what I've seen. Uh, some of these. Um, there's a children's book author, uh, Oliver Jeffers, uh, who uh, is a big favorite of my son's and, and for a long time now. And he, uh, he's been going on every weekday. He goes on at six o'clock. Uh, I think it's six o'clock in Ireland and whatever time it is here and uh, reads one of his books and tells the story of how the book became a book, nice. you know, how, nice. how, where, he, where he came up with the idea for the story, the artwork, all that stuff. And right. it's really, it's something, you know, that you, it, it gives you an opportunity to bring people in to a different um, perspective of what you do for a living. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, um, you know, and anybody listening out there, they, you know, you still have your 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 CDs available for sale, and your and uh, and your shows to come see uh, virtually, and uh, so you know keep engaging with. Uh, yeah, you Richie can. And Erica you can check, Hayes, because they're yeah. Really tough. You can check out our website. It's uh, richiehayes.net, and it's R A C H I E richiehayes.net, and mm-hmm. then we have our Facebook page, and we've got our musical theatre Vieira um, Facebook page as well, mm-hmm. um, and you can connect through them all through the website and yep. as you said and our, all our, this, our, all our cds are all available as well so. uh, yeah and all this all this info will be in the show notes too cool. so um we'll we'll share that out to everybody and um but uh you know thanks for giving us a little glimpse into what you guys do uh Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it it's uh you guys um you guys do great work and everybody should see it that's it yeah well thank you for having us and uh wish you the best with all uh, your new ventures as well all right thanks so much take care likewise singing the darkness all it takes is one voice singing so they hear what's on your mind and when you look around you'll find and that's it, friends. 
That's Richie and Erica Hayes, two really wonderful people, terrific performers, trying to navigate an intensely weird time like the rest of us. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you with the next episode. Be careful out there. If you find yourself enjoying the StoryForge podcast, please give us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you do. All recording, editing, and executive producing tasks are handled by yours truly, Lyle Smith of Nimblesmith, the content marketing agency. This podcast would not be possible without the sincerely excellent help of our friend and associate producer, Anthony Sergi, who produces numerous podcasts, including the truly wonderful A Guest in the House about all things hip-hop. All original music is usually created by Monroe Poole of Pool of Tunes, but in this case, Richie Hayes and Erica Delaney Hayes were kind enough to give us permission to use some clips of their music for this episode. And if you'd like to send us questions or feedback or suggestions for other subjects or guests, you can reach us through the StoryForge website. That's thestoryforge.com, all words separated by hyphens. Uh, or you can email us at cheers at nimblesmith.com, spelled N-Y-M-B-L-E-S-M-I-T-H. Thanks for listening.